back. This is sermons number 67. We're going to be picking up the story at the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. Now this word therefore refers to the previous chapter, which ends up uh, the Lord thy God, Yahweh Elohika, hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. So therefore you should love him. You know, you should love him because uh, he or they <laughs> have uh, have caused you to be fruitful and multiply, uh, which was your prime directive from the beginning. It's an imperative that applies both to the individual and to the collective, and it's the reason there had to be a commandment against adultery. See, women have an advantage over men in that they know that their children are theirs, and men can never be sure. Well, they couldn't be back then anyway. The, the, the uh, Yahwehlians hadn't, uh, hadn't uh, released the uh, paternity test technology at that time. So, you know, these men had to be very possessive of their wives in order to ensure that they were uh, fulfilling their own personal imperative to be fruitful and multiply. And it wasn't somebody else's fruit. Well, not only that, but the fact that they couldn't be sure that their children were really theirs, you know, became an inducement to uh, spread their seed around, so to speak. Doing this outside the bonds of matrimony was sure to cause conflict, conflict between the competing males. So there had to be a commandment against it. But the rich and the powerful found ways around this, as they always do around everything. <laughs> Why do you think King Solomon had 700 wives? Now, he also had 300 concubines, and I don't know how he justified that, but at least he was married to uh, most of his uh, 1,000 women. So he was uh, in, in the bounds of uh, legality. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Remember that, don't you? <laughs> Good times. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land whither you go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey.
For the land, whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt, from whence you came out, where thou sowest thy seed, and waterest it with thy foot, as a garden of herbs. But the land, whither ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. So the promised land is superior to Egypt, because Egyptian land required either irrigating the fields or, or carrying water uh, out into the fields. You know, one way or the other, watering with thy foot, either, you know, carrying carrying water in with thy feet or or uh, making little irrigation canals with your foot to, to, uh, to water the plants. But you see, in the promised land, there's enough rainfall that you won't have to do this. A land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. Now this, this makes it pretty clear, if you think about it, that the Yahweh Elohim were just local gods. They were concerned with a limited area and a relatively small group of people. Uh, Yahweh didn't have his eye on every sparrow at this point and, and didn't have the whole world in his hands. <laughs> that, that wouldn't come till later. He may have aspired to it at this point, or they might have but uh, it hadn't come to pass yet. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain. Apparently there were two rainy seasons in the year that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, and there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Notice now, it's not saying these other gods aren't real. It's just saying that you shouldn't serve them and worship them. And if you do, Yahweh will cut your water off. Uh, now notice too that this, this goes further than the first commandment, which only said that... Uh, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, what this is saying is that you shall have no other gods at all. Uh, not before me and not after me, not even the lesser gods. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. And the Jews are still doing this today. They make these little Hebrew scrolls called uh, mezuzahs, and they have the... Uh, relevant portions of Deuteronomy, you know, this part of the chapter, 
and, and an earlier part too written on them. And they roll them up and put them in these little holders and nail them to the doorposts. You know, uh, basically all the doorposts of the house. Any, any, uh, any door going into a room other than like the bathroom or closet or something. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Now notice it's not the Israelites who are going to drive these people out, it's the Yahwehlians. Uh, it says, the Lord drive out all these nations from before you. The Lord, you know, being how the King James Version translates Yahweh. And it says these nations are mightier than the Israelites. So, you know, they couldn't have done it themselves. They, they would have needed military aid, you know, advanced weaponry and stuff like that. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Now remember, the Euphrates is one of the four rivers that were in the vicinity of the Garden of Eden. So the Yahwehlians aren't straying all that far from where they genetically engineered the Adamites. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. They probably feared him carrying that Ark of the Covenant in front of them and it zapping them all. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Abel. Now, it kind of sounds like it, but it's not the mountains themselves that are going to be blessed or cursed. They uh, they had ceremonies, a ceremony on Mount Gerizim, blessing the people who obeyed the commandments, and a ceremony on Mount Ebal, cursing the ones who disobeyed them and followed other gods. And we'll read more about this later on in uh, in Deuteronomy, and then again in the book of Joshua. Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moreh? Champagne just means plains, by the way, plains or deserts or some other flat area like that. For ye shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. 
And that's the end of chapter 11. In chapter 12, Moses goes over all these statutes and judgments. Ad nauseum, I'm tempted to say. I guess I just did. Chapter 12. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land, which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess served other gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. You know, we talked about burning the groves a couple of episodes ago. And ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. And we're still doing that today, even here in the Western world. You know, you expect it, you know, over in the Middle East and uh, less developed places. But, you know, we do it here too. When some hero falls out of favor, we destroy their statues. We uh, rename the places that are named after them, you know, schools and so on. Uh, even cities, the Soviets, you know, they didn't like St. Peter, so they changed the name of St. Petersburg to Leningrad. And then when the Soviet Union collapsed and Lenin fell out of favor, the Russians started calling it St. Petersburg again. Now, in this country, uh, people like uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, Robert E. Lee, even Theodore Roosevelt uh, have fallen out of favor and had their statues destroyed or removed or, or, or uh, um, hidden away, like the statue of Jefferson Davis that they took out of the Kentucky State Capitol. You know, it's like they were... Saddam Hussein or something. Remember when they pulled that one down? And you may say, yeah, well, these are just people. They're not gods. But Elohim literally just means powerful ones. And these people were powerful in their day and, and um, you know, revered for many years after their day. <laughs> you don't think Robert E. Lee was a god of the South? Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation ye shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety, 
Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which ye vow unto the Lord. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maid servants and the Levite that is within your gates, forasmuch as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. The Levites, remember, had no part or inheritance in the promised land because they were officials of the church and their income was supposed to come out of the offerings to the church. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest, but in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. Notwithstanding, thou mayest kill and eat flesh in all thy gates, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. The unclean and the clean may eat thereof, as of the roebuck and as of the heart. Heart, H-A-R-T. So if you're killing an animal for a burnt offering, um, you can only do that at a certain designated spot. But if you're just killing it for food, you can do that basically anywhere. Only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it upon the earth as water. <laughs> so no rare steaks. Maybe a little pink in the middle, but that's about it. You know, these, these foodborne illnesses are no joke, or, or they weren't any joke definitely back in that time. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of thy corn, or of thy wine, or of thy oil, or the firstlings of thy herds, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which thou vowest, nor thy free will offerings, or heave offering of thine hand. But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hands unto. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou livest upon the earth. So, you know, make sure you actually give your tithes to the church, you know, and the Levites get their cut. <laughs> Don't just consume it yourself. When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Now, remember, originally, the Yahwehlians had prescribed a, a vegan diet for humans. You know, he gave them all the plants and so on uh, to be as meat for them. But now, you know, they can, they can uh, kill and eat animals just like the Yahwehlians. If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock, which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in the gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. 
Even as the roebuck and the hart is eaten, so thou shalt eat them. The unclean and the clean shall eat of them alike. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Thou shalt not eat it, thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. Thou shalt not eat it, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Only the holy things which thou hast, and thy vows thou shalt take, and go unto the place which the Lord shall choose. And thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, upon the altar of the Lord thy God. And the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God, and thou shalt eat the flesh. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them, after that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods, and even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. Now this, this is probably referring to the god Moloch. <clears throat> they had child sacrifices to Moloch. Now I know the Yahwehlians seem pretty cruel at times, but at least they didn't demand human sacrifice. But they did... <laughs> Uh, test Abraham's faith, though, by commanding him to uh, do uh, child sacrifice, to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, and they only withdrew that command when uh, he made it clear that he was going to go through with it. <laughs> so much for Yahweh being an all-knowing God, huh? Why do they have to have such tests if they know everything? What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. And that's uh, the end of chapter 12. This chapter 13 coming up is more about serving these other gods. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So, <clears throat> you can give a true prophecy, but still be a false prophet. You know, it's just a test to see if you'll forsake Yahweh for some other god. Yeah, an omniscient God would already know this, of course, wouldn't need the test. Really makes you wonder where those uh, later Catholic philosophers got the idea that God, Yahweh, is omniscient, 
omnipotent and omnibenevolent. He's none of the three. He certainly wasn't all-knowing, all or there would have been no need for a test of faith. He wasn't all-powerful, or he could have just wiped out all those other gods that he was so jealous of. <laughs> you know, eliminate the competition. He wasn't entirely benevolent either, or he wouldn't have spent so much time condemning people to death like he does in this next couple of verses. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh to thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth. Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So kill your brothers and your sisters, your sons and your daughters, your bosom buddies and your favorite wives, <laughs> if, they, if they forsake Yahweh for some other God. Turn them in, rat them out, cast the first stone, because, you know, Yahweh is a jealous God. He can't let anybody live who doesn't think he's the greatest. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he hath sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear and fear, and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. And thou shalt hear say in one of thy cities, which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, saying, Certain men the children of Belial, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which ye have not known. Then shalt thou inquire and make search and ask diligently, and behold, if it be truth and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought among you, thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is therein, and the cattle thereof, with the edge of the sword. And thou shalt gather all the spoil of it into the midst of the street thereof, and shalt burn with fire the city, and all the spoil thereof, every whit, for the Lord thy God. And it shall be in heap forever, it shall not be built again. You know, it's a scorched earth policy. And there shall cleave naught of the cursed thing to thine hand, that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and shew thee mercy and have compassion upon thee and multiply thee as he hath sworn unto thy fathers. 
when thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep all his commandments which I command thee this day, to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord thy God. Well, that's the end of chapter 13. And uh, again, we're about out of time. We'll pick it up here next time at the uh, beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 14. Until then, keep the faith. Kill all the false prophets, even if they tell the truth. <laughs> Burn all their cities to the ground and kill all your relatives too if they don't believe in what you believe. <laughs>